If you would, turn your Bibles with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, we'll begin, begin by looking at verse number 1. James 1, verse 1. Pastor, thank you so much for the opportunity to be preaching this morning. I, I cannot thank you enough uh, for the opportunity. I, I don't take it lightly. James chapter 1, verse 1. Now let me ask you this question. How many of you guys enjoy taking, ready, tests? How many of you guys like taking a test? Okay, there's weirdos in the room. I understand that. Yeah, we're all like that, right? Nobody really enjoys being evaluated, taking tests. It's just, it's not in us. Now, some people in this room this morning are from the, the college, Pensacola Christian College. I, I went there. Uh, I worked there for a little while. Um, and so the term white glove comes to mind for some of those. They know what that means. That is a time of year where the students get to clean their rooms, all right? And that's when we have floor leaders and the residence managers that go through and actually inspect those rooms. And it, I've always find it very interesting that when we have times of testing or evaluation, people get weird, okay? They just, sometimes they get weird. Uh, for instance, uh, I remember a year for White Glove, it's really not that hard, okay? You have to dust to make sure that there is, you know, not dust everywhere, clean the baseboards, clean the bathrooms, clean clean the, the, the living areas, you know, make your bed, just, just common stuff like your mom taught you to do growing up. Uh, but for some reason, people lose their minds. There was one student that I remember uh, that got very, um, very, uh, <laughs> what's the word? Uh, he, he got very interesting in his cleaning um, forms. And so he decided that he was going to take, have you guys heard of rubbing alcohol? All right, rubbing alcohol. He took rubbing alcohol and he goes to the shower and instead of cleaning the shower, he douses it with rubbing alcohol and then he gets a match and lights up, fire everywhere, gets all the grime, it worked, okay? I got all the grime and mildew and nastiness off. But in his attempt to clean the shower, he forgot to remove one thing, the shower curtain. And so now this, this, this entire room catches up in flames, the, the, the ceiling tiles start catching fire, the entire wing of Young Tower, north side, so now all the sprinklers go off on the seventh floor and now pours down upon the rest of the building and a beautiful lake is down the middle of the building going out. People do crazy things, right? There's an end-of-the-year white glove that people also have where they are supposed to get rid of things. How many of you guys love spring cleaning? Everybody like? Okay. I don't, but maybe you do, okay? Spring cleaning. So uh, these, this gentleman um, is supposed to get rid of some books, and the most common thing that you do is the north end of the wing, there's a trash chute, and you just go to it, and you throw things in it, right? It's not hard. You just, you just throw things into it. But again, cleaning, testing, people are going to be watching me. It could be that he's a guy. I don't know. But this is what he does. He takes the books that he had, and for some reason it has to do with fire. He takes a match, and he burns the paper and throws it down. Burns the paper, throws it down. Burns the paper, throws it down. And again, crazy, believe it or not, catches fire down mid-trash chute. And in, in the entire, it's the north wing all the time. I don't know why it was. But it catches fire, and the building had to be evacuated because testing makes people crazy. You know, I, I don't enjoy tests. I never really enjoyed them. I remember taking a driver's test. How many of you guys took a driver, driving test, right? You have to in order to drive. 
And I don't know why I got so nervous when it came to driving tests. I'm with a gentleman in this car, and for some reason I take a Lincoln, and I've never driven a Lincoln before. It was my Nana's car. I took it, and it's the longest thing. Like, why would I do that? I have to do parallel parking in Ohio, but I did it. I'm just, I lose my mind with tests. And so the guy is telling me, he's like, all right, you're doing well. You just got to go through this stop sign to go to the next place. And I'm thinking to myself, he's telling me to go through the stop sign. What am I supposed to do? I'm psyching myself out, but luckily I'm about to go through the stop sign and he just looks at me and I realize I'm just overthinking. I slam on the brakes, it goes like this. I somehow still passed for those that do tend to drive with me. I, I just, test makes us weird, right? As I was preparing this message and I was asking the Lord what he would have for us to learn this morning, um, this passage I've been really mulling over for the last few months. I've, I've had some devotions on it. I've been praying over it. I've been reading it quite a bit. And I know 2023 has been a very hard year for us. And looking already at 2024, it's been difficult. There's people in this room this morning that have gone through what we call trials and testings. They've had hardships. There are people in this room this morning that maybe you're going into one. Maybe you're coming out of one. Maybe you're consistently just sitting in a hard time right now. And, and my desire, and I believe what God wants us to have this morning, is encouragement to know that we can have joy through trials. Joy through trials. It is hard. No doubt many of us have uh, had some financial issues, maybe relationship issues, maybe uh, uh, health issues, maybe spiritual issues. I, I don't know what the issues are, but I'm telling you today, despite whatever you are going through, you can have joy through Jesus Christ in trials. Look with me at James chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible says this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And let patience have her perfect work, that they may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. And it shall be given him. And let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of God. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Verse 9, Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he's exalted, but the rich in that he's made low, because of the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the, grass, the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. And also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Verse 12, look here with me. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful for you and the promises of your word, Lord. Lord, every single one of us in this room, Lord, has had testings and trials. We've had hardships. But the blessing that we have is through you and in you, Lord, that as we know you as our Savior, you give us a supernatural grace. You walk alongside us. Lord, you love us, and you bring us through these trials with a purpose of making us more like you. 
And so I pray for us this morning, Lord, that we can get this encouragement, that we can be um, encouraged in your word, that we could be grounded in your word, Lord, and we can learn more about you and about us. In Christ's holy and righteous name I pray. Amen. All right, just I want to give you some background of the book before we jump in. Now, this is Epistle of Applied Christianity, an Epistle of Applied Christianity. The theme of this book is faith that works, faith that works. Now, the verse 1 says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Now, it says James, a servant of God. Now, who is James? Well, to make it very simple for us this morning, James is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. It's not one of the disciples. It's nobody else like that. It is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. You might say, well, did Jesus have half-brothers and sisters? Yes, he did, okay? He, uh, after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph got married. They uh, consummated their marriage. They had children. And now, while Christ was on earth and he had his earthly ministry, they did not believe in him. It was not until after the resurrection that James James here got right with the Lord, and actually he became the pastor uh, there in Jerusalem. But here he doesn't say uh, the pastor of the church. He, he doesn't say James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. He says James, a servant of God. See, the word servant here means doulos. It's a bond slave where he says, I belong to God. I, I, I serve God. I have no will of my own. It's God's will in me. I am a servant of God. For to the twelve tribes which were scattered abroad. He's writing to the twelve uh, tribes scattered abroad. The word here is dispora, which the picture is of a person going out to sow, grabbing the seeds, and throwing them out in order to plant the field. You see, what is going on here in 41, 42 AD is the Christian church is under immense persecution. After Christ's resurrection, after Pentecost, many, many people are saved. Many come into the faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the Pharisees and Sadducees don't like it. The Roman Empire don't like it. And so there is immense persecution. People are losing their lives. And so what happens? The church scatters. And God uses this for the evangelism that's going out and telling other people about Jesus Christ. And he's writing to these people that are scattered, that are lost, that feel alone. That are hurting, he says, your faith, if your faith is genuine, if your faith is real, it will be evident by the way that you live. See, many have rejected this book of James in, in the past because they believe that this is teaching about works. They say Paul teaches faith and, and James teaches works, but you've got to understand we are saved by grace through faith, but a faith that saves is a faith that works. Faith alone saves but a faith that saves is not alone because it always produces good works, right? And this area that James is covering here in chapter 1 is the area of what we as Christians should have is faith through trials, faith through temptations, faith through testings. See, Christians have, somebody once said, Christians are like tea bags. you got to put them in hot water to see what kind of flavor they are, Right? <laughs> And uh, I, I, like, I don't like tea, though, okay? I, you know, I, I really don't like tea. I'm more of a coffee guy. But the same thing is true. We have to be put through pressure. We have to put through the heat to see what kind of flavor we are. See, everyone goes through trials. Job says, a man is born unto trouble as sparks fly upward. And so we, as Christians, knowing this, knowing that every single one of us are going to face trials and temptations and testings, we have to know how we are so supposed to handle these trials and hardships. 
And so we're going to learn 27 lessons today from the book of James. And I saw some of your faces. I'm actually messing. It's only five this morning, five prime lessons. And so if you would, uh, the first lesson that we see if you're taking notes is trials are meant for good. Trials are meant for good. Look with me at verse number two. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now, I know what you're thinking here, okay? There has to be something more. Like, you, you, there has to be something more than the word joy here. Surely something in the Greek, something that is underlying here, it just can't be joy. No, no, it means joy. Count it joy. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. See, there is something that we as believers have that non-Christians don't have. See, non-believers put all their eggs into a basket. They expect everything to go to smooth because if something happens and they gather everything up and something happens, they lose it all. But for Christians, that is not the case for us. We have the hope of heaven. We have the hope of Jesus Christ. We have the grace and, 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 and power and love that he offers to us. We have so much, forward to look, uh, so much more to look forward to one day. And with that, we can rejoice with joy. And joy is the fountain well springing up within our souls that even though, church, we go through difficulties, even though we have sorrow, even though we have lost someone dear to us, even though we have heart, our heart broken, even though we are upset, even though we are grieving, the Bible says we sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. And you've got to understand, we love that. Others have no hope. We sorrow not as those who do not have hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus Christ will God bring with them. He says, we have hope. We can count it joy. Now notice here with me, it says, when. When we fall into diverse temptations, right? It doesn't say if. It's not a, it might happen to you. No, this is a certainty. This is something that is an expectation for us as Christians. We will fall into diverse temptations. It is a part of our Christian life. You cannot be a Christian and not go through trials and temptations. You see, it is one of the chief ways God uses in our life to produce maturity, to produce service and ministry. He, he gives us an opportunity to have these so we can be more like Him. But also notice here, diverse temptations. See, these trials, these testings are different. They, they come in all shapes and sizes. It might be a spiritual testing. It might be a physical testing. It might be financial. It might be a relationship. It might be work. It might be position. Whatever it is, they might be different, but all of them are different for the purpose of one thing, that even though what we are going through, even though the different trials we are facing, we can still count it all joy. And the word count here is a mathematical term. Now, how many of you guys like math? Nobody? Okay, great. Uh, math, that means to add value to, right? See, if you value comfort over faith, you're going to be upset through a trial. If you value faith over comfort, then you say, well, Lord, have your way with me. If you, if you value the, 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 where you are right now, your position, if you value where you are in your relationship with the Lord, and the Lord is trying to stretch you and mold you and change you, you aren't going to accept the trial. You don't want to accept the trial. 
Matthew 5, 11 and 12 says this, Blessed are ye when a man shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. What? For my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. See, that, that makes me want to jump, really, after hearing that. It wants me to jump to verse 12, because that's where the culmination of all this happens, where we get excited, but i got to hold myself back, okay? I see some of you going there, too, verse 12. C calm down, we'll get there, okay? But we have to understand this. When we don't enjoy our outlook, okay, when the situations that we are dealing with are hard, when our relationships are stressed, when our, our feelings of sorrow and aloneness, when we have all these things and we don't like our outlook, we needed a change to have an uplook and look to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that requires us to have the next lesson that we see in verse 3. The second lesson that we see is trials produce steadfastness. Trials produce steadfastness. Look with me in verse number 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Trials produce steadfastness. See, it works. Let's say that together. Let's do it one more time, okay? The, knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh what? Patience. patience. Okay. Some of you didn't want to say that, okay? We, as Christians, don't like the word patience. Do you know how I know that? Because I have had it drilled in me. We don't ask for patience, right? Because if you ask for patience... The Lord is going to give you an opportunity for patience. Nobody likes patience. It'll just be, it's true. We don't. We like everything now. We want it now. We look at things on our phone. We want it. Boom, 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 boom. Even Amazon has got quicker. How can you get quicker than two-day shipping? They sometimes deliver it the next morning. Whoa! And what a Christmas miracle that is. You know, you get super excited about that. And some of you, right now, if you pull out your phone, and you go to an app called Instacart. You can look at all the stores in the area. You can have a shopping list. You can hit go. And within four hours, they're going to have those things at your house. And if you pay two more dollars, this is not a commercial, pay two more dollars, they will actually bring it to you faster. Now put your phones away. We're in the middle of a message right now. But, but we want things quick. And when we go to that fast food restaurant, right, we do it. And I'm not going to say which one, okay? But we go there and we go through the drive-thru and it's more than two minutes. It's gone to seven minutes. Woo! You lose your cool, right? Because you want it now. I want my Big Mac now, right? Calm down. Because we don't like waiting. But we have to understand what patience means. Patience is not a, a passive concept. It is a, a positive concept. It, it means steadfast endurance. The picture is of someone who is uh, standing in a strong wind and they, pre they lean forward in and they begin to press forward. Someone who is facing opposition, but yet instead of standing still or going backwards, they're going forward. And that's what we have to. If we are going to endure, if we are going to go through these trials and testings, if we are going to be made better, we have to be getting endurance. Now, obviously, I know a lot about athletics things, right, and, and sports, but if you actually talk to somebody who does, what they have to do, right, 
you run around a track and you keep running and you build up that endurance so you can run further and faster. You go to the gym and as you're doing weights or maybe you have them at home, you are doing these reps and you're doing them gradually in order to add more weight on because you want to increase in your strength. And that is true for us as Christians as well. We have to be increasing our strength. But what is it that is being tried? Is it just our strength? No, it's our faith. What is being tried as we go through trials and testing and hardship is our faith in Jesus Christ. And what we say we believe and what we know what the Bible says to be true, that our faith is put to the test. See, a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. You see, all the giants of faith... When we think back to the Old Testament and to the New Testament, these, these men that were used by God, even in our modern society and today's age, you think about the men of, of time past who stood for God, every single one of them had their faith tried and tested. You think about Abraham, right? Abraham was sent away from his family. It goes to a place and he's promised that you are going to bear a son and he is going to, through him you're going to have all the nations of the world be blessed. And you are going to be a father of many nations. But then God comes to him and says, this son that I've given you, that I promise you, this is the son I've given you. Now I want you to go up to this mountain and I want you to sacrifice and offer him up for me. You see what the scripture tells us is Abraham doesn't question it. He doesn't say, oh God, are you sure? No, he, he goes and he makes preparation for it. And he goes up and it is his faith. Now understand this, God is not wanting Isaac. That is not the purpose of the, this, this trial. It is so God can test the faith of Abraham to see if Abraham values Isaac more than he values him. If God, if Abraham values the promises more than he values him. And so Abraham does exactly what he is called to do and he lifts up that knife and as he is about to bring it down upon his son God stops him and says surely I know that you love me. and he's accounted unto him for righteousness and he is known to us as a father of faith why because his faith through the years from the sojourning from Ur all the way up to that moment even past that he was growing in his faith with the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm telling you this morning we can have that same kind of faith it doesn't have to stop with Abraham. We don't have to read these stories in Scripture and say, wow, listen to that kind of faith. Know how I know that? Because even the disciples, as they were listening to God, and he was telling, Jesus was telling them stories, they said, Lord, increase our faith. We can have that kind of faith this morning. The third lesson that we see about trials, in our, our place in trials, number three, is trials require a surrendered will to God. Trials require a surrendered will to God. Look with me at verse 4. It says, But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You see the word here, it says let. This is a key word. You have to understand that we might be going through these trials, that we might be going through these testings, but we are supposed to let it have its perfect work in us. It, it's, it's the image here of a potter in clay. That goes back to Isaiah. 
You know, thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. We, we know that, right? Do you know what, when I was younger, I had to do a thing called shop class. And I don't understand how shop and pottery really had anything to do with each other. But one day we had to do some pottery type stuff. And so I was pretty decent at you know, getting the, the clay prepped for the wheel. I would say that. I would say that. However, once the wheel came out and it started spinning, you put that clay on it and it's doing okay. But as soon as my finger touched it... It just shot right off there. One time it knocked somebody in the head, next time it was on the floor, next time it was on the wall. And so I quickly learned, I am, my envision of this beautiful piece of clay is I'm going to make a bowl. Right? I'm going to paint it, it's going to be beautiful. But I couldn't do anything on the wheel. So I take it off the wheel and I just start punching it. Right? I start mashing it together and you'll see a beautiful like fist looking print. And so it turns from a bowl more to more what we call an ashtray. And my mom was not a smoker, okay? But I still gave it to her anyways, right? And it's a good thing that the Lord is the, the potter, because if I was the potter, we have a lot of ashtrays here in the church this morning, right? But God, the potter, has a vision, has a purpose for every single one of us. As he places us on this wheel, he sees our infirmities. Listen, we're not perfect. We all make mistakes. And as he has us there on the wheel, he sees the infirmities and he begins to cut it out. He takes this piece that this is not going to work for this beautiful image that I have. i got to take this out. Or sometimes the, the clay gets a little crazy and you have to smash back down and you have to put some more water on it and mold it again. But imagine with me this morning if the clay refused to be molded. Do you know there's some stubborn clay out there? I'm not even joking. This is, real, this is truth. There are some stubborn clay. Sometimes you have to beat that clay down. You have to add some water, slap it around, beat, put some more water on it, slap it around, and finally till it gets to the place where it is moldable. But imagine with me if it absolutely refuses to be formed into what the master has. But you know, sometimes that's what we do. Sometimes we don't want to be molded. Sometimes we don't want the pain. Sometimes we don't want those things that are needing to be dug out from us. Sometimes we don't want to face the, the hardships. Sometimes we don't want to be smashed down. It requires for us to be willing to let patience have a perfect work, that we may be perfect an entire wanting nothing. Spurgeon said this, God gets his best soldiers on the highlands of affliction. Do you know what kind of soldiers uh, that you get? Is not, you don't want the kind of soldiers that have been in a... Uh, for most of the time, or you, you want soldiers that have experience on the battlefield, because on the battlefield, that is when you really have the testing of the stuff. You know what that person is made of. And so we need to be willing to be made. We need to really go through the hard times. We think about this even with fine stones of the earth, right? If you want to actually, listen, I, I know there's some men out there, okay? But when you're going to get an engagement ring for somebody, you want to make sure that it's actually valuable and not something that you get from Timu, okay? All right, or from one of those gum machines. Right, you put 25 cents in there, now it's probably like 75 cents. But you, you get those machines, you want to get something of value. But how do they, they determine that? Well, they, they put it to the test, they put it through fire. They quite literally burn it up to see what the value of these stones are made of in order to get us the best result. And that's what we have to do. And sometimes, church, again, we as clay, we as stones, we don't want the hardships. And so what do we do? We pray it away. Say, God, 
I don't want this anymore. Lord, please take it away from me. Is that not what Paul does? Paul says, hey, this thorn in the flesh, I prayed for it to go away three times. But finally, on the third time, God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. And it's in that time, as we are growing, as we are being used by God, as God begins to mold and shape, can we really see what God is doing? And instead of praying these things away, allow God to have his perfect way that it shall be again, that we might be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The fourth lesson that we see this morning is that trials require intercession. Tri trials require intercession. Look with me at verse 5. It says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven of the wind, and toss. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. <clears throat> see, what we see here is that we have to have a heart and prayer of intercession to God. We know we are going to go through these trials, but we have to be on our knees asking God to help us and show us exactly what Paul did in that situation. Because this is the reality. Satan, through our trials, wants to sift us like wheat. You see, we are tried and tested of God to bring out our worth in our faith, but yet we are also tempted during that same time by Satan to bring out our worst. See, when I'm in a trial, Satan comes to me and he wants me to disobey. He wants me to doubt God. He wants me to turn away from God, and he wants me to not trust him and obey him and do his will for my life. Is that not what we see in the book of Job? Job was a perfect man. He was whole. He loved God. And what happened? Satan didn't believe that he was going to uphold and have faith in Jesus and God. So instead, God allowed him to put some testing upon him. He lost everything. He lost his substance. He lost the home. He lost his children. But yet, Job refused to lose his faith in God. But even then, after that, Satan came back to him and, and his physical body even attacked his own body. But yet, Job refused to lose faith in God. And he turned his heart to God. And I believe this as well. Even after that, Satan used his friends and his wife to discourage him. And even after that, Job refused. Job refused to lose his faith in God. Instead of looking outward at what he was losing and all the pain that he was feeling, he looked upward. And he prayed to God and said, God, God, you are the one. You are the one that gives me strength. You are the one that I can lean to. Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. And when we are tempted and we are tried, we have to be willing to ask God for wisdom. God, give us wisdom to know what you are doing Give me wisdom to know what I need to do to be more like you, that I, I can get through this. God, give me the grace that I need to get through this. God, give me, help me to be humble. Help me to see really what you are doing. Let me to be the clay that is going to be moldable by you, not for myself, not for my own will, but for your will. And that's exactly, right, what Abraham does as well. 
See, it was Abraham's faith through this that we see even later on in the New Testament. Abraham had faith in the promises of God. Right? We have promises of God all over the place where we're told he's never going to leave us nor forsake us. And Abraham had the same faith in the promises because he believed that this was the son of promise. And so if God is going to take him away, he could even raise him up from the dead. But I'm going to obey regardless. And that's the same kind of faith that we have to have this morning. And lastly, oh, actually, let me also go into this with this part. But we also have to ask in faith. See, when we are asking, it's not enough for us to just ask. You know what happens sometimes is we get in church. We sing the old hymns. We do the old routines. And we say that we have faith. But when it's put to the test, we might ask and say, God, will you just help me? But we have to have the faith to believe that he's actually going to do it. You know how I know that we don't sometimes? Because James says it. Don't ask. Don't just ask. But you have to ask in faith. Because if you don't ask in faith, you're like a wave that is tossed to and fro. You're a double-minded man. You're saying you have faith to believe, but you're going through this trial. You have to have faith through this trial that God is going to give you the strength and the grace to get through it. And lastly, this is my favorite part. Trials will cease. Trials will cease. Look with me now at verse number 9. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. And the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth. And the grace of the fashion of it perisheth, and also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. You know, in God's economy, we are all in the same playing field. It doesn't matter if we're rich or we're poor. It doesn't matter if we're high class, middle class, lower class. It doesn't matter. We are all going to go through these trials. And we are all going to be changed. There's going to be one day where we're all going to stand before God. And we're going to have an account for the works that we have here. We're going to have an account for the faith in our actions and our service to the Lord. And there's going to be a place where we can place all of our works down and it's going to be tried by fire. And it's going to be seen if it's going to be uh, rubies and precious silver and metals or is it going to be wood, hay, and stubble? Is it going to be uh, perishable stuff that was consumed for ourselves? Or is it going to be something that we can give back to God? See, in a temptation, in a trial, in hardship, there's only two outcomes that happen. It's either we have faith or we don't have faith. It's either we make it through or we don't make it through. And the same thing is true with our works. We are giving our works up to God. And it's not that we want to have hay, wood, and stubble. It's that we want to one day say that everything that was done here on this earth, our faith, our works, our actions, it wasn't done for ourselves, but it was done for the Savior that loved us and died for us. You see, one day we will have this crown of life that was promised to us that love God. The same crown of life for those that endure these trials, these temptations, these hardships, the same crown that Job had, we can have. The same crown that Abraham had and David had and Peter had and Paul had, we can have if we just stick with the stuff and don't run from these trials, even though it gets hard. It will be worth it all. 
when we see Jesus. Our trials would seem so small when we see him. One glimpse of his dear face, our sorrows will erase. So gently run the race till we see Christ. Church, I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know the hardships you're facing. I don't know if you're going into a trial and hardship. I don't know if you're coming out of one. I don't know if you're sitting in one. But I know this. As somebody who's gone through trials and will continue to go through trials, we have to have our heart set upon God. We have to look to Him and, be, and realize that His grace is sufficient. And we, as brothers and sisters in Christ this morning, you might not be going through a trial, but you need to be praying for your brothers and sisters that are. And so I don't know. I don't know your hearts. You don't know my heart. You don't know what I'm facing. I don't know what you're facing. But God does. And what I'm telling you this morning, no matter what you are going through, we can have joy through it all. With every head bowed and every head closed, nobody looks.